1: banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
0: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Dana Perkins, and you're listening to Switched
1: On, the BNEF podcast. On today's bonus episode, which is actually our final one in our 2024 Things to Watch series, we speak with Kathy Gao about what we should be watching in the hydrogen space in the year ahead. We start by discussing offtake agreements and the potential for shipping and aviation to step up as customers and sources of demand. We also look at methods of hydrogen production across different regions and whether nuclear or pink hydrogen may become a more viable option in the year ahead. And we assess the global policies that could help drive hydrogen production in 2024, in particular in the U.S., where the long-awaited guidance on the IRA has now been released. To access this research note titled Hydrogen, 10 Things to Watch for 2024, BNEF subscribers can find it at BNF.com and at BNF Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. If you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe. And if you want to share us with others, well, you can send it to them or you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But right now, let's speak with Kathy about the year ahead for hydrogen. Kathy, thank you very much for joining today to talk to us about the year ahead for hydrogen. Thanks, Dana. Happy to be here. So as we think about the year ahead, you know, really when I think about hydrogen, I think about it as this solution that's going to be used more in the longer term, both from the standpoint when we think about how the economics are likely to work out and get know, a bit cheaper over time. And when we look at some of the learning rates for the technology. So we're really talking about hydrogen in what I consider to be a really unique space for us to talk about it, which is very time delimited, right? We're going to talk a little bit about the year behind us and then about the year ahead and resist the temptation to look too far into the future. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about this hydrogen predictions We did them last year. We do tend to give ourselves a bit of a scorecard. How well did you do versus, well, what you thought would happen in 2023?
2: Yeah, I think we did pretty well on overall the kind of judgment of the industry. What I'm actually really want to highlight is actually the one that we got wrong. It's around sort of the project financing kickstarting in the US, which obviously didn't happen last year because of the delays of the US IRA guideline the hydrogen tax credit. So I think just by drawing this one example, this actually highlights the policy and regulatory complexity and uncertainty the whole industry is facing right now. So this is actually one thing that we're closely watching for 2024 as well to see whether there could be any policies coming out to actually lift the sector and give more positivity to the sectors into 2024.
1: So that actually was one of your predictions for the year ahead. And the U.S. had finally released this long-awaited guidance on the, what is it, the 45V tax credit from the IRA. Can you talk a little bit about what the prediction is for that for 2024?
2: Yeah, so obviously, uh, the delays in the IRA guideline coming out has actually slowed down a lot of projects hitting FID in 2023 in the US. So just to give you an idea of the landscape of the project being proposed in the US, there's a total of around 1.6 million metric ton of clean hydrogen projects proposed by 2030. And of that amount, only 20% has found an offtaker and even you know less than 1% has reached FID by the end of last year. So it tells sort of the challenge the whole industry is facing right now now there's not much demand and much less heating the financial milestone. So the IRA guideline coming out actually right before Christmas last year was actually very good news for the whole industries. So the US actually offers one of the most generous subsidy for clean hydrogen production as high as $3 per kg of hydrogen the highest subsidy actually applies for hydrogen with very, very low emission standard of less than 0.45 kg of CO2. So those hydrogen could get the highest level of subsidies. So the IRA actually comes out much tricker than most have hoped. So it requires project to meet a few criteria to be able to qualify for the subsidies, one of them being the hydrogen having to couple with new bill or additional renewable resources. So it cannot draw power from existing power such as new clear. The second one is that there should be hourly matching between hydrogen production and the renewable generation. So this is also really hard to hit because a lot of the renewable generation are intermittent and electrolyzers are actually not ready to take those intermittent power. So in order to match the renewable generation and hydrogen production, you need the technology p- to be ready. We also probably need a portfolio of renewable to support electrolyzers. You probably need solar and wind and battery storage on site to support electrolyzer production, which will obviously raise the cost of clean hydrogen production. So a lot of people are actually quite worried about a Republican presidency and whether that would revoke the IRA subsidy. For us, we don't think that would be the case because the IRA subsidy on hydrogen actually has bipartisan support. And then we think even with a Republican presidency, the subsidy would actually survive.
1: So there's a lot happening with IRA implementation, which is a federal policy. But now let's actually talk a little bit more about the U.S. and states. Are individual states getting in this game and thinking about hydrogen?
2: There's actually a lot of states that are interested in supporting um, hydrogen. So as we've seen, some states actually went ahead to launch their own demand-side incentive in 2023, which could actually trigger more states to follow their suit. For example, Colorado has introduced a subsidy of up to $1 per kg for the users of clean hydrogen in mid-2023. Illinois has introduced similar subsidies of $1 per kg credit as well, but it's more strict, so it's only limited to -to hard-to-abate sector users. Pennsylvania has also released a tax credit of around $0.8 per kg of clean hydrogen purchased from the regional clean hydrogen hub, which recently (laughs) got the funding from the federal government. So we we expect um, more states actually to subsidies because currently only at the federal level, although the government has announced a, a 1.6 billion incentive package for supporting the demand of clean hydrogen in 2023, there was very little detail of how the government is actually going to implement that. So we'll, we'll still need to wait and see you know, how the federal government will do this. But with the lack of certainties on, on how the federal government will implement that, we think there, there will be more states actually going ahead and launching their own subsidies to incentivize more de- demand. And on the local level, especially the states which got the um, regional hydrogen hub funding for the production side.
1: So we'll come to some of the conversation around technologies and applications, but I think it would be great for us to actually continue to talk about this in terms of what's happening in different parts of the world. So can we next go to Asia as a continent? And I know this is going to vary widely by country by country. If we zero in on, say, Japan and Korea, this was an area of the world that were early proponents of hydrogen and actually looked at applications when it came to cars and fuel cells. And since that was a part of their early strategy. Strategy. Do you see a bit of a pivot to some of the other applications that parts of the world have looked at? And what is happening in Asia and how is their year ahead look for hydrogen?
2: APEC is pretty interesting because, as you said, every country has a slightly different approach. And on the policy-wise, it's actually less sophisticated than the U.S. and Europe in terms of hydrogen policies. It's interesting to see like how these countries will actually push forward the hydrogen subsidies. So far, if you compare the subsidy level from APAC to the US and Europe, it's actually lagging behind for a lot. The only countries that have implemented subsidy for hydrogens are India and Australia, but they're tiny compared to the US IRA subsidies. The upcoming one that we're actually pretty excited for is the potential subsidies in Japan. So Japan has introduced a contract for difference mechanism similar to the one that EU is implementing for clean molecule supply, including clean hydrogen. So that would benefit both domestic supplier and overseas suppliers. This will basically subsidize the cost difference between the cost of importing clean hydrogen and the cost of producing or, or using grey hydrogen domestically or fossil fuel. This is actually quite a lot of money that the Japanese government is putting into this mechanism. But it solely depends on whether the government could actually raise that much money because this pool of money is actually going to come from the transition bonds that the government will be issuing. So depending on whether there will be anybody <laughs> buying transition bonds, it would actually how much money will be available for this pool of uh, CFD um, subsidies. And then the other countries that we are pretty optimistic about on hydrogen import is South Korea. So uh, similar to Japan, South Korea is actually also thinking to import clean hydrogen or clean ammonia, mostly for domestic power generation and a bit of transport. South Korea is interesting because it's actually one of the few countries in the world that implemented a usage mandate. So it's basically a a mandate for the power sector, for the utilities to use a portion of clean hydrogen or clean ammonia derived power from now to 2030. So by 2030, the goal is for South Korea to consume at least 800,000 tons of clean hydrogen or equivalent for power generation so that it's quite a lot of demand that they actually mandated for domestic utilities. South Korea is a big steel manufacturing hub. They also have plans to use hydrogen in the industrial, particularly steel manufacturing. So overall, for, for Asia, we think South Korea and Japan are the two markets that we're most excited about for 2024.
1: And you would reference that in Europe, this has been a part of the world that has historically had favorable policies on the books for hydrogen. And without going into individual countries, let's talk a little bit about the European Union and the year ahead and whether or not you see more of those policies coming down the pipe.
2: Uh, Europe is really interesting because it's actually something that all the other countries are looking after as kind of a, a model in terms of hydrogen policies. And in Europe, there's actually quite a lot of policies and mandates and, and subsidies that they implemented to support hydrogen. But one thing that we're actually um, looking out for for 2024 is the clean hydrogen definition. Because right now in Europe, they actually hasn't really clarified any regulations around sort of the production of clean hydrogen and blue hydrogen in particular. Um, Um, as well as pink hydrogen. So a lot of people kind of planning those kind of projects in Europe are worried that those projects might not get any support in EU at the end. So in 2024, we actually would expect EU to publish clear definition on how the emission from producing low carbon hydrogen should be measured. So for example, right now, EU has adopted a high emission criteria of 3.38 kg of CO2 equivalent per kg of hydrogen as the benchmark or criteria of low carbon hydrogen but EU hasn't really clarified like how those emissions should be measured, whether leakage will be accounted. So, so those are the things that the industry is actually looking out for in 2024 for the EU to actually clarify the emission accounting methodology for clean hydrogen. And then another thing on EU is that in addition to the EU level, which already have run the first round of hydrogen auction in late 2023, and it is expected to run another round of auction in 2024, a lot of people are actually looking out for sort the member country level subsidies. For example, like Germany is expected to launch its carbon contract for different schemes. France is also running its own hydrogen auctions. So in addition to the EU level, a lot of people are looking out for the member country level subsidies and auctions in 2024.
1: So the hydrogen color wheel is something that people talk about a lot. It's all of these different colors that stand for the different technologies that we use to make the non-naturally occurring hydrogen. So be it blue or pink or green, it all stands for something. But really, what I want to know about is in the year ahead, which technologies are really going to come out on top? So is it going to be the application of CCS, which is largely coupled with coal and gas? Is it going to be green hydrogen produced from renewables? Or are we going to see a resurgence In the use of nuclear, which is referred to often as pink hydrogen, what does it look like? And what does that mix look like from a technology standpoint in the year ahead?
2: Yeah, so for CCS, it's interesting because EU right now, you know, it's actually have a preference on green hydrogen over blue because it wants to get rid of fossil fuel use. So blue hydrogen is not particularly popular in EU. The blue hydrogen is actually only concentrated in a few countries that actually have support on carbon capture. For example, the US have the 45Q subsidies on the carbon capture and, and utilization and storage as well. So a lot of those blue hydrogen projects are concentrated in the US. The UK as well. Um, UK, actually, blue hydrogen, would, we expect it would be the biggest source of clean hydrogen by 2030. In EU, it really depends on, as I, as I mentioned earlier, how the emission accounting the methodology will comes down to. Um, for example, the emission accounting for clean hydrogen will account for the upstream methane leakage and all the other upstream emission associated with blue hydrogen. That would make blue hydrogen really difficult to meet the emission criteria under the EU standard. And then in terms of pink hydrogen, um, it's interesting because there's not a lot of countries in the world that have the nuclear required to produce pink hydrogen. So the few countries that have that could produce pink hydrogen include the U.S., France, for example, in Europe, and and China, and South Korea is actually pretty keen um, with the new presidency to explore pink hydrogen as well in Asia. So those are only you know a, a few countries that could produce clean hydrogen using nuclear. And then in the EU, it really depends whether again sort of the new emission accounting methodologies that that is counted. In the U.S., with the IRA guidelines, it actually required, as I mentioned earlier, additional new-built renewable to, to be coupled with the clean hydrogen for it to qualify for the subsidies, which would make it really difficult for pink hydrogen, which would most likely use existing instead of new-built nuclear as a power source, would make it really difficult for it to, to, to get the um, IRA subsidies. So, you know, it, it really depends on the policy regulation and the emission accounting methodology under those different countries, whether this source of hydrogen will be
1: qualified for any subsidies going forward. So next, I want to talk about two of our favorite hard-to-abate areas, shipping and aviation. We've spent a lot of time thinking about the solutions for these in the future, and one of them is hydrogen. Are we seeing offtake agreements that indicate that 2024 could be a really big year for application for these two hard-to-abate sectors?
2: Yeah, so we're actually pretty optimistic about this two sector lifting the demand for hydrogen in the year ahead. These two sectors are under pretty tight regulation in the EU for decarbonization. For example, the Refuel EU Aviation Initiative, which mandated 1.2% of the fuel supply to aircraft at the EU airport must be synthetic by 2030. So that would, in our estimate, result in at least 0.35 million tons of green hydrogen demand by 2030. There's also the fuel EU maritime initiative, similar to the aviation one. It mandates the shipping sector to decarbonize following a fixed emission intensity target from now to 2050. So this carbon intensity target will require the shipping companies to reduce fuel emission by 2% by 2025, which would rise dramatically to 80% by 2050. And then In addition to the few EU maritime initiative, we also have the EU ETS, which included the shipping sector into the ETS scheme last year. So the shipping sector would have to pay carbon price starting from this year and then full carbon price starting from 2026. So a lot of shipping companies are actually under a lot of pressure to decarbonize. They are looking for green fuels globally, trying to be compliant. So that would actually drive a lot of demand, as we already seen from the shipping and aviation sector, just to give you a couple of examples, for example, in the aviation sector, Air France and KLM and Delta signed a seven-year sustainable aviation fuel offtake with a U.S.-based synthetic fuel producer, DG Fuels, to make aviation fuel using hydrogen. Um, MERS, which is one of the biggest European shipping companies, also signed a binding offtake contract with the Chinese developer Goldwin for 500,000 tons of green methanol offtake, which will be using around 100,000 tons of green hydrogen for those methanol production. So this is actually one of the largest green methanol offtake that we've seen so far. And this gives a lot of hopes to the whole industry, especially to the countries with very cheap renewables and abundant biomass resources, such as China and potentially South America, as well as the Nordic country to actually step up to produce green fuels for, for the shipping sectors.
1: And on some of these ships are electrolyzers for other parts of the world to make hydrogen as we ship the required equipment around the world. And we've got some predictions for volumes of electrolyzer shipments in the year ahead. What are those?
2: For the shipment of electrolyzer, which is you know a key component or equipment to produce green hydrogen from 2023 to 2022, we saw shipment of electrolyzer double going ahead in 2024 we expect the shipment to continue to grow in 2024 in our conservative scenario the shipment in 2023 would be around 1.7 gigawatt and then we'd expect that to double in 2024 to reach around 3.6 gigawatt but in terms of like the exact amount whether in 2024 we would actually achieve that double it really depends on a lot of different factors we think there's a lot of uncertainties around the exact shipment in the year ahead because there are a couple of factors that could affect it example, policies and also macroeconomic environments. And also sort of the technical issue is a big one. The issue, that the technology like electrolyzer has been around for over 50 years as a technology to be used in multiple sectors to produce hydrogen on site. But those are all mostly small scales. In order to deploy those technology in a megawatt scale, you need to have technology improvement. And then we actually, we don't think the industry now is ready for this yet. We've heard a lot of manufacturer having technical issues. So we think this is something that industry have to fix for for the technology to be deployed in a larger scale. So one of the key technical issue is the compatibility with renewable power, because in the past, electrolyzer is used to getting stable power input from the grid. But now if we want to couple that with renewable electricity, the power inputs will be intermittent and that's something that the manufacturer have to figure out.
1: And now let's talk about interest rates, which are raising costs for power projects all over the world. And when it comes to hydrogen, do we think we're going to end up seeing the impact of these higher interest rates in auctions? And the reason that I ask this is so often we're looking for cost declines in hydrogen projects. So will this be a year where essentially the costs go up and will we see that in the auctions?
2: So, it's actually something that we've observed in the past year in a couple of the auctions around the world that the production cost that producer bid for is actually much higher than we expected. For example, in the first auction that UK ran in 2023, the cost is actually much higher than we estimated, um, mostly because of a couple of factors. For example, the rising equipment cost, rising electricity costs, additional grid connection cost, you know, alongside with a couple of other factors that push up the cost by at least six to seven dollar per kg. So this is pretty significant. We think that the auction plan in 2024 are likely to be affected by higher costs as well. There are a couple of auctions that we are closely watching out for, such as the, the second EU um, hydrogen bank auction that will supposedly happen in spring 2024. The UK and Neidland would also have its second hydrogen auction. France and Germany, as I mentioned before, would also have its hydrogen tender. Japan as well, um, as I mentioned earlier, would have its CFD schemed uh, launch this summer as well. So there are a lot of auctions that we're watching alpha in 2024. I think it remains an outstanding question whether this kind of higher cost will be applied to all the markets in the world. It really depends on sort of the the subsidy and auction mechanism design as well. For example, in the EU, where some sectors face quotas or mandates to buy clean hydrogen, this would create demand and also willingness to pay for the green premiums among the buyers. In that case, then the bidding price in Europe might be lower than the UK because the buyers are willing to pay to cover the cost as I mentioned, some other countries that have a different bidding mechanism might see a lower bidding cost as well. This happened in the Denmark auction in late 2023. And then also the Indian auction that we have seen results just came out in Jan 2024 also saw a pretty low bidding price, like some bidders actually bid zero in, in the auction, which is quite interesting. So we think in, in those countries where the lowest bidder would get the subsidy first, in, in such a mechanism, the bidders would tend to underbid to be able to get into that auction. So in that case, the overall bidding price might be lower than we expect. Whereas in countries like Japan, as well as the UK, where the government just subsidized the cost difference between grey and green hydrogen, the, the price difference would actually be
1: quite high. Kathy, thank you very much for joining us today from Hong Kong to talk about what's happening in the year ahead in the world of hydrogen. Thank you, Dana. Switched On is produced by Cam Gray with production assistance from Kamala Schelling and Ilushi Karuna Ratne. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute nor should it be construed as investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business gold card. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through.